I'm Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. As we've been doing most Wednesdays, we have Mike Renner on from Pro Football Focus. Mike, what is going on with you? Not much. Just digging into the draft here over the last few weeks. Excited to be doing that finally. Yeah, Pro Football Focus, I've been paying attention to them since they've been around. It's a great service. Everyone should check it out. When did you guys get into draft? It's only been a couple of years now, right? Yes, 2014 was our very first year of okay. actually collecting college. That would have been the 2015 draft. So, so I guess that's three or four, four years? Four years, yeah. So we have full careers on these guys now, all their data. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Uh, and I'm curious, do you set it up like an NFL front office? Like, do you have some guys that are only doing college year-round? Yeah, we do, but it's not in terms of... Uh, there's some guys who only really grade college and do college data collection, but they're not really involved in the, there's only three of us really involved in setting our big board and stuff. And it's me, Steve Palazzolo and Sam Monson. Okay. I met Steve at the combine last year and uh, it sounds like both of us will be there. Maybe we'll hook up and have a cold one or something. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. You are doing the big guys though, right? I mean, you're doing O-line, D-line. Yeah, I did the O-line, D-line and scouting. We just set our first initial big board this week actually. And so I went through, O-line, D-line, and slotted all those guys for okay. us. Is, is that how you guys break it down in you know, position groups? Yeah, so I think it's uh, Sam had linebackers, corners, safeties, uh, and uh, running backs. Steve had quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. So. Cool. Okay. So what's your thought overall? Let's break it down a little bit. What are your thought on the tackle class? What are your thought on the interior offensive line class? And don't even give me names. Like, is it top-heavy? Is it deep? Is it weak this year? I have some impressions, too. And just off the bat, it looks like the O-line class overall has a lot more potential starters than it has the last few years. Yeah, I think there's a lot of guys that I actually liked in this class in terms of thinking they can step out of field day one and be good NFL players. Now, there's a lot of times that we've seen in our grading, at least, offensive line probably has the biggest learning curve of any position going from, maybe, maybe outside of quarterback, going from, college to the pros guys step in and tend to struggle right away as rookies as you know second year players there's a handful of guys in this class who I don't really see I think can make the transition quickly maybe not be you know fantastic players right away but at least on the interior I see a handful of guys who can step in be quality stars right away and then tackle I think there's about four guys I see the potential to do the same I'm not as confident in them, but I think that's better than most classes at offensive tackle. Yeah, the last few classes have been really weak. It looks like the free agent class, especially for tackles, is going to be terrible. You know, if you're the Bengals or somebody like that that desperately needs them, you might be able to find help in the draft. Yeah, I I think in my big board it went Mike McGlinchey 1, Connor Williams 2, Orlando Brown 3, Jamarco Jones 4. I could see all those guys realistically stepping in and playing right away and being better than you know your your uh whoever's starting for the Bengals, we'll just say right (laughs) right right or who's been coming out lately um the interior class looks very strong i mean maybe eight to ten starters possibly including a handful of centers a couple centers yeah i really like i really like this interior class and i think if you're drafting in the first two rounds you'll be able to get a starter and possibly a quality starter right away i think at least Quentin Nelson and Isaiah Wynn at guard are going to be step in right away and be not not just good guards. I think they could be like legitimate pro ball. At least Quentin Nelson, I think he's a future Hall of Famer from what I've seen from him. He's the highest evaluation I've ever given to an offensive lineman in our four years of doing this now. He's fantastic. And Wynn is a close second. He's We have a first-round grade on him. He's been 
uh, what he's done at tackle for Georgia. All he's just so technically sound, such a a good athlete also for the position. I think he could step in and start for basically any scheme right away at guard. And then Will Hernandez also the uh, UTEP guard is a monster in the run game. Yeah. I think he could step in. And if you're running a sort of a downhill gap sort of scheme, he could step in and do that right away. I've seen him mocked at the end of the first round of the Jags, and I love that fit. Just as nasty, yeah. you know, physical, four net behind the, that guy. Um, we'll talk about individual players in a minute, but you mentioned Nelson, and it's funny you mentioned Hall of Fame, because something I've said on these airwaves a couple times are, every draft class, I used to do it to myself, I, I kind of say, all right, look at this whole draft class. If I had to put a buck down on one guy from this class that's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. I mean, that doesn't mean he should be the first pick overall, but boy, that's a pretty good pick no matter where you take him. Last year I said Miles Garrett, as everyone probably would have. But this year I, I said Barkley and even more so Nelson. That These guys are A-plus prospects. Yeah, Nelson is unbelievable. Like he... You watch him compared to any other college guard, and it's he's just on a different level physically in terms of what he can do. And then you add in the fact that you know he, he doesn't really have like I was trying to write up his negatives or a scouting report, and it's like yeah. eh, you know like sometimes his punch timing isn't perfect. It's like sometimes there's something he doesn't do completely perfect is like the only thing, and it's not even like a regular issue. There's nothing to really fix there. He's just he really is the complete guard prospect. I think he could even play tackle if you really wanted him to. Yeah, and it's funny because when I was with the Browns, one of my jobs was I was in charge of the NFC West. I had to have a, a grade on every player in case they'd get caught or when they hit free agency, all those things. And Walter Jones and Orlando Pace were in the NFC West back then. And it was like, I don't even know how to write a scouting report for these guys. You know, like, there's no negatives. And yeah. Nelson seems like that. I mean, it's like the perfect prospect, almost. Yeah, like, even our grading, like, he's... He only lost, like, he only got negative grades, like, almost, like, around once a game, once or twice a game, which is incredibly low rate for a guard. Like, to only lose that infrequently is, like, there's not much you're doing wrong at that point. Yeah, against good teams, obviously. Um, I know there's a center you really like, too, Ragnow. Tell me a little more about him, please. Yeah, I don't think he's getting a lot of first-round buzz, but he's, the, the grades he's put up in the SEC for us have been, you know, other level in terms of comparing him to every other center in this class. I think he's only allowed like eight pressures over the last two years. It's just been really clean. Now he doesn't have the sort of high level physical ability that Nelson does. And that's why he's not getting close to the, the buzz of someone like that. But his hands are so strong and he, like I said, he did it against the SEC. He, he's another guy who wasn't yeah. losing much against SEC competition. And when you see that, it's like an easy projection going from there to the NFL. So I really like him in this class. I think there are some other centers that are also, you know, could step in and start from day one, but he'd be the guy at the top of my list. Okay. Um, Connor Williams was a name I knew. I'm, I'm, I don't dig into draft until this time of year usually, but he was on the top of all the lists going into the season. Um, some said he had a down year. I know injuries were involved. Tell me what you think of him, and did you guys have better grades on him two years ago than you did this past year? Yeah, he graded out better as a sophomore than this year as a junior. Uh, it is a little concerning. They took a little bit of a step back. Injuries, I think, did play a part in that. He did look like he had a little hitch out of his out of his past sets, and he did have a knee injury that was hampering him. Could have been those go hand in hand. Not exactly sure. I'd have to, you know, be have some behind the scenes knowledge mm-hmm. and you know talk with him to know exactly. But you can sort of put two and two together to say, you know, the guy we saw as a sophomore to be that good, as good as he was then. 
you don't get worse usually as you get older at an offense alignment. So I think you go back to that tape and evaluate off of that and say, yeah, what we saw there is first round caliber talent. And then Nelson's uh, partner in crime there at Notre Dame tackle McGlinchey. You know, what are your thoughts on him? He also has a first round grade for you. Yeah, he's not a perfect prospect, but mm-hmm. he is. You know, he checks the physical boxes in terms of he's six eight, long arms. Uh, you know, can move like a guy who's not six eight. He moves a lot better than most guys built like that. And so he has the ability to mirror and pass protection. But he did have some ugly losses over the course of this past year. I know the Georgia game was rough for him. He got kind of owned by Malik McDowell a season ago in the Michigan State game. So he's had some times where he hasn't looked apart, but. He just has this clean body of work over three years at left tackle and right tackle. And I just think he's going to uh, – he's a guy who I think is just NFL ready in terms of how long he's been doing it and been well coached by, you know, Harry Heaston there at Notre Dame. Yeah, the impression I get from him and talking to you further, you know, it, it even strengthens this thought, is he's a double. You know, that he's probably never going to be the Hall of Famer like his, his yes, teammate. Yeah. He probably will be a long-term starter as long as he stays healthy. Not a superstar, but starting tackles don't grow on trees. Yeah, exactly. I think if you can get an average tackle right now in the NFL, an average or slightly above average, that's worth a first-round pick. It might yeah. be one of the only positions where just getting you know somewhat competent production is worth of worth that because you see, like Nate Solder right now, he's a pretty average left tackle. He's going to get you know twelve million plus in free agency. So that's that's just where the market's at for those guys. All right, now let's switch it over to the defensive side of the ball. I kind of want to get an overview from you with the edge guys and the defensive tackles. My impression, tell me if I'm wrong, is it looks like there's a lot, you know, of really good defensive tackle prospects, but not elite guys. You know, like, man, that guy has to go in the top five. Or, or, you know, the, the guy that just jumps above all the others. And at the edge position, it seems like it's Chubb, although I think some... I'm not sold that he's exactly Miles Garrett or, you know, this this superstar. Mm-hmm. And then the edge players are a little light this year. Am I right on that? I think it's about right. The only thing I'd say is I do think there are two clear defensive interior prospects that are okay. head and shoulders above everyone else. I think... If you need a three technique, Maurice Hurst is clearly the best three technique in this class, the Michigan defensive tackle. And if you need a one tech or a nose tackle, Vita Vey is clearly the best at that. Then I think after those two, it's a lot of just guys at that point. A lot of just nothing that really excites me. The Deron Paynes of the world, the Harrison Phillips, you know, a lot of those guys getting that sort of uh, maybe borderline mid to late first round hype just don't do much to excite me. And so... Yeah, I think after those two top guys, there really is a pretty weak defensive tackle class. I mean, maybe you disagree with me, but I kind of felt like if you're picking 20 to 40, there'll probably be a defensive tackle there that you like, but you're not doing jumping jacks about. Yeah, I think it's about right. If you draft Deron Payne at 25 overall, you probably have a solid player, but at the same time, you don't have anything. that uh, You're not getting a difference maker along your defensive line okay um a couple names i just wanted to throw at you i know that you're you've you've seen here Tavon bryan you haven't mentioned him yet uh what is your thoughts on him i didn't really mention him with the interior class because i truly think he's better suited uh, as like a base defensive end at the next level and like a four three if you i think that's his best role like a michael bennett maybe 
Yeah, almost like a guy who plays sort of just a, lines up around the tackles, uh, you know, offensive tackle, either inside shade, outside shade on a consistent basis because I just don't love him against the run inside. I think he just doesn't have the doesn't have the pad level or the the sort of awareness to be holding up to double teams and playing on the interior snap after snap. But I do love his first step and his explosiveness and the way he's gotten better every single year of his career there at Florida. So there's a lot to like about him. He's not like I said, he's not a first. You didn't get a first rounder from us, but grade from us, but a second round. If you can find him early there in the second round, I think that's a guy who has the sort of you know potential to continue the progression that we've seen from him and turn to an actual difference maker. Like I said, that there's few in this class. But on third and seven, third and eight, he's an interior player, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Okay. So okay. base end, kick him inside. Yes, that yeah. sort of guy. Okay, well, those guys have a lot of value for nowadays. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that. Um, Landry from BC. I haven't watched a ton of him yet, but I'm getting some mixed signals on him. He's another one like Williams. It sounds like he had a better season two years ago than he did this past year. He was a big time buzz name going into the year, and now I see a lot of people kind of mocking him mid the late first yeah on, on one hand you know i thought it was a smart decision when he did come back because of how loaded last year's edge class was he probably would have gotten pushed down a little on some boards because of you know guys like miles garrett Derek barnett they were coming out but on the other hand he came back and did not play well this year he just yeah. he did have an ankle injury that ended a season and i've heard that that ankle may have been you know a recurring thing that was bothering him well before that and just watching him on tape it looked like that because he was a guy he's a sort of bend the edge pass rusher who thrives off of being able to play you know at a at, with his ankles bent at an angle you know putting a lot of stress on those ankles and when it just looked like a different guy in terms of him cornering around offensive tackles getting back to the quarterback this year he got pushed past the pocket far more often than i ever saw that back in 2016 so Another guy like Williams to where he's I put him I put a top trend grade on Harold Landry because you go back to the 16 tape and that's what it looks like. That's that's what he looks like on tape that year and sort of throw out a season because of injury. Maybe it wasn't affecting him as much as, you know, the grade or how he performed might suggest. But the guy I saw in 2016 is worthy of a top 10 pick if he can just get back there. So the combine is going to be big for him in terms of what he can do uh, athletically to show he's healthy. Yeah. And a prospect like him. At least you saw, maybe it was two years ago, but you saw a whole year of tape that you loved. I mean, you mm-hmm. know that it's in the player. So coaches look at that and say, oh, I can get it out of him. I'm the best coach in the world. You know, and then meanwhile, yeah. area scouts, you know, I saw this firsthand when I would go into schools. Some of these area scouts have been going into Auburn or BC or whatever for 20, 30, 40 years bringing donuts and they know the guy mopping the floors and they know the secretaries. And, you know, those people will tell you, yeah, he's fighting through injury. He'll be fine. You know, like, mm-hmm. that, that's the beauty of having great area scouts. Um, another guy that that would be really important with, because from what I understand, there's some off-the-field concerns. And if he falls in the draft, it's not because of talent. And that's the last guy I wanted to bring up was LSU edge player Arden Key. He might be, in terms of talent-wise... He might have more talent than anyone, raw talent really? than anyone in this class. Like there are some refs on tape where it's like I, a guy shouldn't be able to do that. It's almost it reminds me a lot of uh, Alden Smith coming out in terms mm. of just physically what he can do is special. You know, blend of speed, bend, power, and length. 
that there's, you know, there's only a few guys in this world that have all those traits that he does. So on those yeah. aspects alone, you'd take him over Chubb. I so I don't I'm not gonna say I'd take him over Chubb. Uh, he's ahead of us on our board, but it is he has more in terms his red flags are more worrisome than Landry's red flags to me because well, a guy. What I meant was I mean just on okay. traits it, is key above Chubb. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like okay. That, yes, okay. Yes. Wow. I mean that's a lot. That's a big saying. Like you said, I mean he's one of the absolute most talented players in the entire draft, regardless of position. Then. Yeah. Yeah. He really wow. is. And. Again, if he was a guy who could have come out after his sophomore year, like Connor Williams, he's getting he's getting drafted ahead of you know he's only only Miles Garrett's getting drafted ahead of him in the edge class. I would have I would guess so. He's that talented. Now he was overweight this past year. Did not look like another guy. Didn't look like the same guy. Had you know all these off field concerns. Does he even want to play football? That sort of thing. So yeah, that is obviously very concerning. But it's another thing, like you mentioned. You need the area scouts to say why this, like who this kid actually is, what's he going to be at the next level uh, mentally. So the big red flag there, but man, some of the reps he had on tape as a sophomore going up against even guys like Ryan Ramchick in Wisconsin are just very impressive. Okay. So it was against high level competition. I'm sure he will tear up the, the combine. You think the agility drills, vertical, all those type of things. I mean, he's not really going to have a hole in his, his repertoire, huh? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I think he should put up a pretty good three count too. It, it, although it does depend. It's like, is he? Did he? Did he prepare for the comma? Is he guys? Right, right. You know, ready? Is he going to show up in shape and ready to roll? So that's that is the big red flag. Absolutely cool. Hey, is there along those lines? Is there anyone that comes to mind? Big people on either side of the ball that might not be the most well known name. And if you don't have one, don't bring it up. But we're not going to have a, a show next week. We both will be at the combine. A guy or two that might really light up the combine and test well. I think so. I think Wyatt Teller, the guard from Virginia Tech, mm. could put up some reps on the bench. Uh, he just he is strong as can be. Now he's not the most you know uh, he's not the l- largest guard, so I'm not sure. He's only probably only around 300 pounds. But for a 300 pound guard, he's about as strong as I've seen a 300 pound man be uh, in college football. So he, I think he could put up some reps on the bench. I'm trying to think of someone on the defensive side of the ball who could do something. Uh, I, I do wonder what, I'm just curious to see what Hercules might offer the Washington state, you know, DT slash edge guy puts up in terms of, I think he could put up a real quick three cone. He just, the agility drills, he seemed to be fantastic at, at Washington state. Now he's not a refined prospect, but he, he really probably, did himself no favors by playing defensive tackle this whole past season at about 250 pounds. So I'm interested to see what he does. And I think he could do, uh, put up some numbers. It's funny because just yesterday we had Jonah Tulls on from NDT scouting and he said, this guy, you know, didn't do himself any favors or they didn't do him any favors lining him up at defensive tackle play after play. That was one of his favorite guys he watched. And he didn't use the Michael Bennett comparison, but kind of said some things along those lines that, this guy should line up over tackle on most downs and then maybe kick inside. I honestly think he's just pure three, four outside linebacker. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't, I'm not sure he's holding up a lot of his wins and stuff on the inside where they just slanted him every play. Like it wasn't, he's not stacking a guard. He's not mm-hmm. that kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, very cool, Mike. I, I very much appreciate it. There's some great information on some of these top guys. Really excited about what happens with Arden key. I mean, uh, I mm-hmm. think in in Indy, I'm going to find out some more dirt on the guy and see how serious those things are. But 
maybe there's a team out there that looks at him and says, we don't care. <laughs> we're, we're taking him high. Yeah, I, he's going to be probably my biggest name that I want to watch for uh, rookie year in the NFL because they'll probably tell you a lot of where his mind's at. Oh, I got one more question because I think you're one of those big believers. I know you are a running back. You never take a running back high. You're one of those guys. And oh, yeah. I think you are never take a guard high. But, Nelson, if you're Denver at four and you sign Kirk Cousins, would you take Nelson? Oh, man. That one's tough. I, I okay. do think I do think it obviously depends on your grades of people elsewhere in the class. Now, did you have, you know, do you have a top five grade on, I don't know, someone like a Bradley Chubb who's still there? Do you have a mm-hmm. top five grade on a Maurice Hurst who's still there on a, in a more valuable position? But if you're looking at a bunch of, you know, the, the more valuable positions, if he's, if you don't have, you know, any of the tackles graded highly, I would truthfully in this class take Nelson before any of the tackles just because I think yeah. he has he's uh, that he's good. a sure thing. Yeah. So, so uh, depending on who's still on the board, I'll, I'll say, yes, I would draft uh, Quentin Nelson top five. I, I do think he is the rare guard that's worth that high of a pick. Like we said, I mean, we threw the words Hall of Famer around. I mean, if he mm-hmm. ends up being yeah, Steve I Hutchinson or that. Alan Fanica, no one's going to complain about that. Yeah. Exactly. All right, man. This was awesome. Thanks so much. And hopefully I'll see you in Indy, bud. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Matt. Have a good one.